Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Some other thing, and 
and it it it, it sort of brought the kid back to a, a positive area. But what my my point is, you know, numbers are data just doesn't give meaning to uh, lives. I mean, um, Fred lost his brother to suicide more than ten years ago, and uh, it's devastating. It, it it never goes away, and um, to lose a uh, any life, yet yet alone a a life just beginning, a young life is uh, is horrific. And and you've been doing that for years. And uh, hats off to you for uh, doing a really really difficult <laughs> job. Um, and can you recount a little bit, Ray, about the story you mentioned? That, that I just referred to. Um, you said you, you you met the 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 guy at Hannaford uh, recently, the supermarket, and it was many years later. And and uh, can you just give us a little piece of what you what you talked about last night about how you? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. It all started on a, a Monday afternoon at the high school locally. And I had become very close with the um, student assistance counselor, a lady named Jill Augustine. And we had talked about my coming over to help out students at risk. And this particular day in June was the last day of scheduled classes. And, of course, in the high school uh, ties together classes earlier than, you know, middle school or junior high and elementary. So he, this particular student, a male, um, call him John. John uh, had made an arbitrary deadline in his life that if he did not manage to come out to the world by the end of classes on uh, his 12th grade year, that uh, which would propel him into college as an openly gay male, um, that he would take his life. And he had shared this information with a few trusted friends who realized that he meant it. And they came to the student assistance counselor, who was an, uh, actually uh, an extension of the old D.A.R.E. officer. I don't know if you're familiar with that program. My brother actually um, started no. it out here, not nationally. D.A.R.E. was where a, a police officer would come into the um, the schools periodically and be there for um, special needs that, that they had. Unfortunately, it was uh, not a good match because they weren't psychologists. They didn't have... Um, intervention skills for students at risk. So I, I met John and uh, Jill, uh, the student assistance counselor, left us alone and she said, uh, you know, you guys can talk. And I actually came in because I didn't have official status. So I came in through the only, which I didn't mention last night, the only exit and uh, entrance that did not have a camera on it. And we said, I sat down, this is over 12 years ago, and talked to him um, about, you know, why he couldn't do this. And I've been trained in my, because my master's is in clinical psych, but I, I'd never been in anything with the that, stakes that were that high. And he was absolutely adamant. Uh, I'm going to take my life. This is why I have nothing to live for. My parents are extremely religious and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was, things were, were not happening. I was using the skills I was taught. And I looked out the window and I saw this sad truck that, uh, <laughs> Ironically, had 
very expensive new tires on it. And uh, he saw me looking out the window, and I said, uh, and he said to me, that's my truck. And I said, really? Do you know cars and vehicles? Because, you know, I'm the ultimate car crazy guy. And he forgot about his problems for a minute. And uh, we got into a deep conversation and took a different road. And that broke it loose, you know. Uh, and I guess he figured, that despite my age and whatever, I, you know, shared a common ground with him. And we started talking about that and how he put his money in it. And how he's working. I was working at Five Guys at the time, Five Guys Hamburger. And he put every penny aside, and uh, that's when it took a turn because he knew there was something between us. And the more we talked, the more we realized that we had other similar things. He liked 60s music, and I kept fishing out. Not everything matched, but enough of the things matched. And 26 hours later, um, and Joe, the student assistance counselor, had pizza brought in and things that I couldn't even eat now, <laughs> um, and, you know, soft drinks, and, and we made it, and he... Promised me he would call the next day, and he did, and she did, and he he went off to college, and he made a vow that he, he wouldn't take his life. And fast forward, uh, you know, a dozen years, uh, I was at Hannaford Supermarket, and I liked the shop late in uh, later in the evening, and um, at that particular time, they stayed open um, into the night, and I heard a. a we were only two cars in the parking lot, pretty much. I heard a voice saying, "Dr. Ray, Dr. Ray," and there was John. And he said, and we we hugged, and he said, "You know, I'm a teacher now." And yeah, he, uh, he was a tenured teacher. And he said to me, uh, "You know, um, you kept telling me about hope." And uh, afterwards, I read about Harvey Milk, you know. And he said, "You got to have hope, um, and to keep hope alive, you got to see it tomorrow." And you told me how, you know, I won't care about these kids that are, um, you know, seem so important to me now and the fact that I'm being bullied and the fact that I can't come out. And he said, I started to believe that. And sure enough, uh, there was tangible proof that it was all worthwhile. And from there, I uh, learned more and more skills and uh, incredible stakes, high risk, high reward, but uh, the greatest feeling in the world. That's sort of what happened. Yeah. He tenured and wow, making a good salary and wants to become an administrator, so that's where it ends. Yeah. Well it's a powerful story. I mean and you 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 were the the, the capstone, I guess, of the night. You getting the great Harvey Mulk uh community service award um from the Capital Pride Center. Um I know you must feel terrific about it. It was wonderful to watch you get it, to see uh, the support you had, your family, your friends, two tables worth of, of people, and uh, the, the Ulysses and Sean, um, your colleagues on Homo Radio, gave such great introductions. And then uh, Martha is her name? The, um, Martha the Harvey, Pride executive team. director of the Pride Center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was... Uh, she was terrific, and uh, I, I I just sort of sat there, and you know, it's I think it's part of the symptom of trying to survive in these days, but all time, always for gay people um, that uh, you know our lives are are just 
different hurried and stressed a hell of a lot more than uh, uh, I would say the, the established straight community. Um, and it's rare that we're able to sit back like I was last night and just listen to very, very bright, caring people talk about <clears throat> among mostly the dire situation that we're in and as, which leads me and we because of uh, my inattention here we, Ray we have an, a, a shorter show than usual so I think we have about 15 minutes left um, but the um, and that's Lock Talk Radio is cutting our time down too um but I was just struck, Ray, by how every speaker seemed to get to the same point, that this is crucial. This, this, this election, this, this period is, is really dire for our community, for everyone, really. Everyone who cares, everybody who's not privileged and, and doesn't need the help, doesn't need the support. Um, this election coming up November 6th, is, it, I mean, it is the biggest election of our lifetimes, and and we must um, uh, put a check on on the calamity that that started happening two years ago with uh, Mr. Trump, and um, I mean, what happened this week, which is, it seems like there's just a disaster a week. Uh, or more, uh, we had a, a, an American, I say American journalist with Saudi background, um, just brutally murdered, tortured in the worst possible imaginable, imaginable ways. And, and we have a president who, who won't speak up, not only for journalism, but for humanity. Um, I think this is unprecedented, and he's doing it because of his financial ties, his personal financial ties, and uh, his, what he sees as his government obligation. But he's just uh, – the corruption is, is rampant. Um, I never thought I'd see something like this. I, don't, I know we've been saying this for two years, um, but this is the first time we have some power to do something. And that is get out and vote. Get to the polls. It's 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 not only in, look, look at there's a there's a a governor's race in Georgia where the 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 um, uh, the Republican who's running just happens to be the Secretary of State, and he is disenfranchising um, fifty thousand um, new voters. Um, and he's controlling his he 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 pulled over a, a busload of of women from a nursing home who were going to vote, and he was going to prevent them from voting, and until something or somebody interceded. I mean, this stuff is deadly. It's happening everywhere, and it's really concerning. Um, Ray, any any thoughts on on that incident or? Uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Beto O'Rourke in, in Texas, who um, I hate to say it, but it seems like he's going down to defeat 
after so much optimism and promise because young people just won't, young Democrats just won't get out and vote in a midterm election. They just, they don't do it. And I, I just, I'm stunned. I'm stunned at news like that. Uh, Ray, any, any thoughts about the, the election coming up? Well, it's hard to summarize it any more simply than you have. I mean, uh, the Democratic youth uh, will have to be energized in a way that they haven't been before. And I read a lot of studies and posts about why this is the case. Um, <laughs> it has to happen. I think the, the House, you know, the pretty much cliche answer now is probably going to flip. Um, as far as the Senate, that's another story. Yeah. Um, we really need them yeah. both. There's no question about that. Um, right. Well, I, I've been reading that. Your theory. I'm sorry. I was wondering. No, what I was you just going to say. You know, what is the dearth in in uh, Democratic voting? Why? Why is it in terms of the youth? You know, what's missing? What's the surprise? Um. I. I. Boy, I wish I could answer that, but. Uh, um. I don't know. I don't know. And, and the study I read in Texas is that Republican uh, millennials just outvoted Democrat millennials um, like three or four to one in the last election, the last, the last midterm election. And um, uh, the reason I, I, boy, I would need a, a, a super, I would need Freud to, um, uh, to study that one, or, or uh, I, I mean, it just, um, you know, I understand to a point that uh, kids kids are busy, and maybe the privileged, which are, are generally Republicans, they have more time, they have less worry, they they don't have the distractions of uh, of voting, uh, of so they they can vote. But um, that means we got to work extra hard, extra hard to get out the vote, to get the vans. Somebody wrote to me on Facebook last night that Uber is offering free rides to the polls. I'll take it. Do it, you know. Um, but um, there's a systematic um, problem going on. And, I'm, you know, I, somebody scolded me on Facebook last night. Well, do something. Well, you're right. I could, but I can't get myself to Texas to drive people to the polls. And um, we we really have to um, rely on ourselves. And, you know, we have big elections here in New York. There's a congressional race that um, not has their nonstop commercials for uh, John Sasso versus Antonio Delgado. Um, uh you know, every race counts. Every every local race counts. Um, we we've got to get this mentality in this country that, you know, this is a elections matter, votes matter, and boy, have we paid a price for not uh, heeding that over the last. Um, well, it got us Donald Trump, basically, and. Uh, that just can't ever happen again. It can't ever well, there was, happen. Well, it, it, 
piece by a psychologist that really piggybacks on what you're saying. Uh, you know, this current generation, and I hate that phrase because it sounds like the old days when, you know, a parent or a grandparent would say, well, you know, I marched to school through four foot of snow, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is the current generation uh, expects instant gratification, and if they, it's my way or the highway. And my way or the highway, as you just said, is what brought us Trump. You know, you go to a restaurant and you're not happy with any choices, but uh, time and pragmatic reality makes you have to choose a meal. So you choose the less of the two uh, evils, uh, the one that's more tolerable for you. And you'll find that there's usually quite a difference between your first choice and your last choice. And that was Trump, Trump and Hillary. But I had people right in the studio, right in the green room. Well, with this hissy-prissy attitude, if if I, if um, Bernie doesn't win, then I just will stay home or I'll vote for the third-party candidate. Well, you did, and now what do we have? You know, the potential destruction of the United States. Um, certainly what's happening with this journalist in this week is is chilling, to say the least. I mean, Pompeo has probably heard that that tape. I mean, I, I truly believe he he has heard the tape, and he knows, well, as uh, we are aware that what happened, and Trump is going to use his playbook never varies. I'm sure you're aware of the pattern of behavior. There, there are no surprises in Trump's behavior, and to hear him out on the on the campaign trail, you know, with railing on and on about the same crap that he's been doing for two years now, um, and and Fox even not covering all of them because, quite frankly, they're losing money. People don't want to hear it except for the Yahoos that. And there are plenty of them. There were six to 8,000 on Friday that uh, stayed in line from 3 in the morning, the first person. I mean, what fuels that? What, what makes that happen? Well, well I, I, you know, I, I was encouraged to, to hear the, the early voting in certain states. It's is very high, particularly in Georgia. Um, but I I just think we're, we're I put a post on Facebook last night and I spend way too much time on Facebook but it is a tool it's what we use um, and I I, I I used a word that I, I hope I used correctly I said Facebook is the balkanization of our society um, people There's a lot of bad writing, a lot of bad communication, a lot of misunderstandings lead to conflict. Um, I uh, uh, I, I put a a post in there about the what is this the Mega Ball lottery that's going on this weekend, a billion dollars, and and this one particular person was saying, "How wonderful! How wonderful! I'm buying more tickets." And I said, I couldn't help it. I said, what is wonderful about this? Lottery is regressive taxation, hurts people who can, taxes people who can least afford it. It's the worst thing going. People throwing away their money at at impossible odds, and even those who win blow it, blow it all, most usually. And, and, and she just had an attitude like, well, don't blow my bubble, will you? You know, a little sarcasm. And I said, come on. I, 
that's my opinion. You put it on my page. I'm gonna I'm gonna react to it. But it's uh, I think part of the voting problem is we don't we don't communicate with we don't see people. That's what made last night so wonderful. You know, for me, I'm I'm, I'm meeting uh, and talking with wonderful people, hearing them. Um, I mean, you don't get that on Facebook. You get a very uh, somebody said Facebook can be like the bathroom wall of of the of the 21st century. You know, you're just writing. And Ray, you must know the quality of the writing on Facebook leaves a lot. <laughs> Pretty scary, huh? Yeah, and and a lot you of English speakers turning over in their graves. I'm sure. Yeah, it leads to misunderstanding and and uh, people are not communicating what they what they really mean and uh, it is a big problem it's, it's, it's not just the grammar police or the Facebook police as people would say it's, you know you gotta be clear what you're saying and uh, I think that's one of the first casualties of uh, of a dictatorship is uh, well, the press is one of the first, and then the uh, uh, isolating people. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that things are going to break um, positively as the election comes, but it's scary because I I now live in terror of what happened in, in 2000. I mean, we all... I all, I thought Hillary was going to win and 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 we'll get through this and we didn't and boy if we paid a price. So Ray, um, hearing the uh, the prompter telling me uh, we have 90 seconds and uh, uh, I guess we'll have to be uh, more concise in our opinions in the future. Um, but I, I just want to reiterate what a wonderful night it was last night to see you get this well-deserved award, the Heart Community Service Award, and for your years here, Homo Radio alone, that would be an astonishing accomplishment. But uh, I do want to uh, just take a second. Uh, you can hear Dr. Ray Sunday morning, 10 to 2 Eastern Time. Albany Area 91.5, and then WRPI.org, Apple TV, iTunes, uh, and go to go to your website, homoradio.org, and please buy our book, which I think is getting more timely, Healing the Brain, Stress, Trauma, and LGBTQ Youth. It's on Amazon, and it's at our website, www.healingthebrainbooks.com. So, Ray, we got to call it a, an abbreviated show, but I just want to thank you for inviting me to your to your great event, and we'll talk to everybody next time. The pleasure was all mine. Thanks for attending, David, and thanks for the kind words. Okay. Be well, everybody. Bye.